Sacred Tension fans, my name is Matt Langston and I play in a band called Eleventy Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums from the writers to the producers and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like where did your band name come from and who's your favorite friend's character. We're asking questions like why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions. And we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So check it out right here on Rock Candy and your favorite podcast app. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and this is a Rock Candy podcast. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, before we get started, I have just a few pieces of housekeeping. First, this show is only possible with your help. And I already work full time. I'm already overworked. I will probably die a premature death at 40 if I keep working the way I am, which is why I need you to donate to my Patreon. And really, I believe in bringing my work for free to the masses. I believe in what I'm doing. But that means that I also need support to do that. So if you want to see my work have a long, sustainable life, and if you find yourself looking forward to sacred tension every single week, then please consider going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long and for a dollar a month or five dollars a month you will get some extra content every week and, and thanks for your support. All right. Point the second. My colleague Matt Langston and I of the band 117 we have been working on building a podcast network called Rock Candy Podcasts and we are looking for creators. We are looking for podcasters who want to create interesting engaging content. If you have an idea for a podcast or you have been working on one, please let me know by going to stephenbradfordlong.com. You can send me an email there, and I'd love to hear your pitch. I really want to hear your idea, and maybe we can produce it. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I'm very happy to welcome Kodiak back to the studio. You will know him as the Odin-worshipping, chicken-sacrificing neo-pagan who lives on a farm. Uh, he's one of my favorite people in the universe. So, oh, that's precious. <laughs> so that episode was last week. Uh, you listened to that episode last week. But as of this recording, that episode was actually recorded several months ago. In the intervening time, I got a text from Cody, and it said this. Hey, man, so in case you haven't seen via my posts, in the past month, I have had a radical encounter with Christ and have left paganism behind. You are still welcome to use our interview if you wish. But if you don't mind, don't tag me in it. I am a different person now. Love you and hope you are well. So, wow. <laughs> which made me think yeah. that there had to be a follow-up. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so here we are. So here we are. So, so Cody, 
what the fuck happened? <laughs> you see, I figured that would kind of be the first question out of the draw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was, just kind of intuition, call it divine presumption. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow. So I'm still asking the same question that you are. <laughs> I'm not quite sure okay. exactly what happened other than I started looking for a different avenue through which to know God along with Odin and along with the other deities that I had worshipped up to this point Mm. um, was delving into the Catholic Church a little bit just out of curiosity welcomed Christ in as one of the gods that I would serve just to kind of get to know him from a different perspective and through that was absolutely radically wrecked when I opened that door something stepped in that I wasn't expecting And it wasn't the Christ of my childhood. It wasn't religion. It wasn't the do's and don'ts. I felt absolutely 100% enthralled and in love with this divine being that had come Hmm. and expressed to me a love and a sense of knowing that I haven't ever felt with another person before. Hmm. So I literally like it, it, it irks me now, like hearing people talk about how they found Jesus Because it was, for me, it was more of a Jesus found me experience. You know what I mean? So Brennan Manning, who's a writer I really love, he talks about how Jesus ambushed him. Mm. And would you describe it like that? Like Jesus totally took you by surprise, completely ambushed (laughs) you. Absolutely. (laughs) Like, and it wasn't, it wasn't anything that was like, you know, beyond my comfort level. Like uh, Jesus is a gentleman from what I've experienced. Like he's not going to just come in and completely wreck your life without permission. Mm. He'll just come in, show you how good he is and you won't be able to focus on anything but him because you're just so enthralled. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. That's that's awesome. Okay, so yeah. by the way, I forgot to mention at the top, we do have Danielle sitting here. I'm a silent third. Hi. <laughs> so so we only have two mics, but but you might hear Danielle pop in every now and then for So exciting. For longtime listeners of Sacred Tension. You know Danielle very well. She is a regular co host to talk about rabble rousing feminism. Okay, so I uh n- I don't know where this is gonna go. We have we have a lot to talk about. So so what did this mystical encounter look like? What ha- what the fuck happened? God. Um, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I was just saying God is an uh, expressive kind of thing, but I mean, like, that's okay. a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> so um, throughout my childhood and teenage years of practicing Christianity, you guys know me well. I'm a very theatrical person. Like, I'm a very expressive person. I remember baby goth Cody. Isn't it precious? Yeah, I, yes, we were... <laughs> You guys were the crowd that I was like incubated into the goth world. Into the goth world. Good times. Oh, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. But yeah, so I was very theatrical. Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So, you know, you kind of, you're dramatic to fit in a lot of times. Hmm. Um, Basically, whether it's expressed or not vocally, there's this kind of assumption and this. expectation if you will that you're supposed to be exuberant and like full in for Jesus so from an early age I just kind of picked that up from the people around me and I I, I acted Christianity really well to a degree I guess looking back I did believe in it but there were so many things that weren't 
from what I've understood in Christ now, weren't essential or even true to mm. the person that he is. Mm-hmm. Um, they were all man-made kind of concepts about him. So I knew a lot about Jesus, but I don't think I knew Jesus. This time around, whenever I had the encounter, one of the things that kept coming to my mind is I really had to unlearn Jesus in order to know Jesus. Do you feel like your time in paganism was necessary then as kind of a cleansing process to unlearn it? You know, I really kind of do. Okay. Um, looking back at this point, there are certain parts in my walk. Like I've been doing a lot of reflection as one does when one has a radical divine slap in the face. Sure. <laughs> but I've been watching the patterns that I used to have and just different experiences I I had in that community where I can look back and say, okay, that was unexplainable then, but now I can actively see that Christ was in the background watching as I was going through this process, not from this awful Southern Baptist kind of angry point of view. This, yeah, no, no, like watching you, waiting for you to screw up and fall into Mm. the pits of hell. Like Mm -hmm. there was just this kind of, I know that you experienced stuff, Cody, when you were growing up in the church. I know you're pissed off. Take a lap. It's totally fine with me. Like, I felt like Christ was just kind of that understanding. Take a lap. We'll talk this out when you're ready to talk it out hmm. kind of thing. Okay. And and so what did the the moment of this encounter look oh, like? God. What happened? Oh. What? Because I, I remember, and I understand that it's probably really hard to describe because I have yeah. had you know, for lack of a better term, mystical experiences Mm -hmm. that when I articulate them sound almost childishly simple. Right. But when but when the experience of them was so like cosmologically huge. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. So I understand that there is probably some difficulty in describing this. So but do your best. Sure. Then, like, you know, the biggest thing for me is I've had a lot of mystical experiences before this as well in my pagan walk, which are hard enough to explain. But this, by all magnitudes, has dwarfed any mystical experience I've had Hmm. up to this point. Um, Whereas this didn't change a single part of who I am. This radically overhauled who I thought I was, replaced my identity with something positive and something so full of love Hmm. that... It's uncomprehendable even for me after having experienced it. But the moment that it happened, there was no... So when I first... Okay, so I started looking into the Catholic Church um, just as inviting him back in kind of thing. I really associated... Go ahead, Danielle. Sorry. The Catholic Church will get you. That's all I want to say. The Catholic it Church gets will get you. It, it gets, gets it you. It got me. It got me. I, I, it so. still got me. <laughs> It's it's a beautiful <laughs> tradition, but there's so much guilt and so much legalistic there's, ridiculousness. There's so there yeah. is so much bullshit in it, and it still Absolutely. gets me. Yeah, I I I hate a lot of it, and it still gets me. Right, it really does. You see, and like the, that's not like that's not me going and like you know bashing the people because they're very genuine people in there, Absolutely. but the religious um, concept of it is just too far i think that they've taken something that's organic and tried to factory sell it you know what i mean so i can see that yeah where it's something that's beautiful and organic they've made it into a wax statue and that's Mm. where divinity is for them Mm -hmm. but i was i was experiencing a little bit of stuff in the catholic church really building it back up but there was this preemptive like you know fear of hell and like fear of like oh my god i've said so much bad stuff about jesus throughout the years like is he even going to want me back kind of thing Mm. so So the moment that everything changed for me was I was sitting in um, the Catholic Church 
And they were halfway through the opening prayers and they got to the forgive us, O Lord, be merciful uh, for we are but sinners. We are not worthy to be in your presence kind of crap. And I just felt this voice inside of me. And I think it's the first time that I heard Jesus actually speak to me when I came back that said, get up, get out, leave the church. We need to talk. <laughs> yeah, leave, leave the building. We need to talk. And it wasn't like an abrupt, like angry kind of thing. It's just this like my like instantly there was something inside of me that felt like ice kind of broke mm. and like water started pouring out again. Mm. And I left the church got in my car, started driving, and I felt this, I don't want to say warmth because there was, it's, okay, so here we go. This is describing a mythical, a mystical experience. Yes. I don't want to say temperature, but to a degree, it was like a warmth kind of overtook my body. Mm. And there was this feeling like when you're on the precipice of going down a hill on a roller coaster, just yeah. overwhelmed me like overwhelmed me and the only way that i can express it now through like physical terminology is like god dumping honey all over me because like honey's sticky yeah it's very sensual mm. like it's it's very intimate when you think about it like the the honey gets stuck to you you can't get rid of it it gets stuck everywhere you go very kinky absolutely <laughs> well then <clears throat> Yeah, like exactly. Like it was just, it flowed everywhere. And like, I just, I felt things melt out of me. I instantly no longer had a problem with guilt. I instantly no longer okay. felt like there was a distance there. I instantly felt like there was no need for me to prove myself. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be really cliche Christian for just a second and bring in the prodigal son story. Do it. Stephen and I can take it. We've been there. Yes. The cheesy, like the cheesy prodigal son story that often gets brought up way, way too much. But I feel like is overlooked different aspects of it that really have a lot of mystical depth to it. But people are often just so get people to the altar that they miss it entirely. In that story, we see the prodigal son that's returned. But right before his return, he's decides that he wants to go back to the father's house and he says i'm going to go back to my father's house this isn't working out i'm starving i'm in need of food i'm in need of water i need a place to sleep i'll go back and just beg to be a servant in my father's house because i'm not worthy of sonship anymore which is where i was in the catholic church i felt like if i go back if i beg if i'm a servant if i'm celibate and go to the uh, go into a monastery for the rest of my life maybe maybe jesus will be fine with me celibate because of just you being gay no just because just I felt in general like, just, just because, in general okay. yeah so i felt like maybe if i did all these things for jesus he would love me again but in the story when the son gets within eye shot of the father the father runs straight to him mm. makes him a son says forget the servant crap you're my son come here get some new shoes get a new ring and get a new robe we're gonna go and throw you a feast so I felt like that was my moment where God saw me in the distance and just shot <laughs> from the mailbox. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh my God, it's Cody. <laughs> so it's, huh. um, or sorry, oh myself, it's Cody. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so like I just felt this overwhelming sense of love. And the funniest part about it is the next thing that he told me to do was go back to the church hmm. that I had gotten hurt through when I came out of the closet. Hmm. I went to the church completely. First of all, let me defend that church because I said some very negative things about them in the past. I don't even think I'm going to use their name just because. But you and I, I think, had the conversation at one point. Mm -hmm. about what had happened there when mm -hmm. I came out of the closet. It was very yeah 
un unmaturely dealt with. Unpleasant. Yeah. The church has gone through a radical change, and a, the church there has had a similar experience to where I have, where they've gone from religion to meeting this radical grace, love, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And everything about their theology has changed just prior to when I came, <laughs> like, a, like a, a year or two before That's I came there. It is. Yeah. Um, so I went there, and... I go into the back of the church. I start to lift my hands up and worship for the first time in forever. And instead of it being cheesy, like me looking around wondering, okay, that person's got their hands up. It's time for me to do it. Or that person's <laughs> put their hands down. It's time for me to bring mine down. Instead of like looking around, it was the first time that I've genuinely worshiped hmm. in my life. And it felt like this intimate exchange. It didn't feel like I was talking to something distant. There was this intermarriage inside of me. Like I, I finally understood the verse in the Bible where it says it's no longer I who lives, but Christ within me. Because it's not just me in here anymore. Like there's this intermarriage between myself and divinity. Hmm. But um, the funny thing is, I got to the church, the pastor comes running back to me in the middle of worship, comes over, gives me a big bear hug and says, I had no sooner leaned into my wife to say your name than I turned around and you were in the back of the church. Hmm. So that was like one of those things like, okay, God knows I'm a skeptic. Mm -hmm. God knows I need proof. Mm -hmm. And he is in the past two months has been absolutely willing to give me proof anytime I need it. Yeah. <laughs> And that's something that was sorely lacking for me before in my walk. Like, hear my heart on this. I'm going to say some things that are going to sound kind of negative towards paganism and stuff. You it's, can, not, you can, it's not an attack. So, so here's the thing. You can say whatever. I'm I'm sure. a fucking Satanist. Okay. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I, I don't you don't put something like that out there. Right. And not expect yeah. all kinds of stuff back. So it, yeah, I, I mean, don't like, care. I really don't. Sure. You can say what whatever I'm, you want. What I was saying is like, I'm not going to say anything like negative towards like paganism in and of itself. All I'm saying is that throughout the entire time that I was a pagan, the five years that I was a pagan, I was constantly reaching and constantly clawing for proof and evidence and mm. that nearness, that relationship. And I never, never got it. Yeah. And for me, like the first day that I've had the encounter, I'm back and there's mm. proof within 30 minutes. And but, and so just to clarify, sure. how many years were you a pagan? Between six and five years. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, this was a long thing. This was a yeah, commitment. I mean, this I've wasn't got, a passing I've got my fact. pagan gods tattooed on my body. <laughs> like, you were very serious. I was very, very, very serious yes. into this. Yeah. Um, like last time we talked, I was preparing to open up the Odinic temple right yes, before I all remember. this happened. I remember you were so, working on, on building an Odinic temple. Yeah temple um how, how would you dis what would you say are the differences between your faith now and the faith that you had before what what are some key differences the impact that it has on my everyday life okay the impact it's had on me as a person the impact it's had on the the people around me mm. and my willingness and my desire to delve deeper mm -hmm. yeah okay are there any theological points that are different so it sounds to me like you are less theologically inclined i don't mean that no yeah demeaningly at all but but less theologically inclined and more relationally inclined absolutely christ so so you i might ask this question and you might just genuinely not have an answer to it and that's okay sure uh but are there any points of theology like about sin or life or who you are or who god is or heaven or hell like what what has changed theologically mm. for you and you might still be working through that and you yeah. might not know in which case that is totally fine there are some things that i'm still working through but the uh the incredibly short answer that i'm going to delve into is everything <laughs> um that's a good answer yeah so yeah. before i had this very 
um, Sid Roth kind of view about heaven I and hell. I love Sid Roth. <laughs> okay, hold on. Pause. Give it. <laughs> Stop the train. Okay, so in the middle of the fucking night, several weeks ago, I was falling down the YouTube rabbit hole like I oh do. Oh boy, here we go. It was go. like 3 a.m. and I came across this television show called It's Supernatural with Sid Roth. <laughs> and it was like there are cov- satanic covens in Boulder, Colorado that are molesting children. And there's a witch who was once a bride of Satan and she <laughs> comes out and she came out of it and now <laughs> she's telling us all about it. There yeah. are, and it's about like psychics and seeing demons. And I'm like, this is fucking great. <laughs> I fucking love this. And so now I'm, I'm it is like ultra yeah. conservative. Oh my God. Old, like it's still running and Sid think? Roth is like ancient now. I know. He looks like a mummy. No, I just got so excited when Absolutely. he said Sid no, Roth think, because uh, think Fox News on crack. Think Fox News if Fox News was also a paranoid spiritualist grandmother. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so I am now watching It's Supernatural just because I find stuff like that fucking irresistible. Absolutely. So anyway, oh, I'm no, sorry. Totally no, had fine. to derail derail that. On Danielle, that side can you, note, could you grab me some more coffee with some? Co- co- I'm good. Uh, Actually, if there's some, I'll take a touch. Not much. Nothing. Thank you, love. No, the huh? Oh, just some milk. It can be real milk. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, I real milk is good. Yeah. No, the funny thing is, before I came over here, I was actually flipping through channels, and it's Supernatural with Sid Roth was on, <laughs> and I turned it over there for a split second. All I saw was this grown man blubbering hysterically <laughs> about about a vision of hell that he had. Yas, and I'm like, <laughs> yas. No, so, I I fucking love that <laughs> shit. It's so toxic and awful, and I fucking. It's love it. terrible. But no, like everything that I grew up believing was similar to like, you know, that very, very literal view of like hell is an eternal place that God's going to send you forever because he loves you so much. And if you don't love him back, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing. So for me now, I only see I, my my theology is ever evolving on hell. But the the concept of an eternal place where people are punished forever and ever and ever has completely been, for lack of a better term, thrown into hell for me. Hmm. Um, I'm over that. That's not the Jesus I know. Hmm. That is not at all in his heart. That is bullcrap that's been fed to the church hmm. since the Council of Nicaea. So, so you like, don't even believe in hell anymore? Or if you do, to an extent, I, I or if you do, it, it's a very different kind of hell than the one you, you used to. Exactly. Okay. In the Bible, like I, I've been doing a lot of research on original language instead of just English translation. Yeah. Every time we see the word hell, well, now I've practiced Norse paganism. Hell came from them. <laughs> yeah. Hell was the god of death, or goddess of death. Yeah. Um, they took that word when they were translating the Bible over into English in the Middle Ages because it's something that people of that time understood as a bad place. Mm, yeah. So hell is... Every time you see it in the Old Testament, especially, is just literally the grave. Yeah. Like, literally. It's Gehenna. The, it's it's yeah. death. It's the grave. The only thing that hell really is, is death. Yeah. Like, yeah, precisely. So there's this concept of some people believe that if you don't accept Christ, um, you just die eternally. And yeah, you just, annihilationism. You just go to sleep and you're just, yeah, exactly. Annihilationism. Which is something even I have a problem with now. Okay. Because I feel like with the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross, there's this, um, okay, this is going to sound very Christianese. Some oh, I don't care. Get it, but Do it. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure the, the majority of my audience is Christian. Oh, wonderful. So, yeah, they'll track. 
I don't believe that the sacrifice of Jesus, the second Adam, is inferior to the offense of the first Adam. Okay, say that one more time. I don't believe that the reconciliation through Jesus Christ, who is the second Adam, is inferior to the offense of the first Adam. Got it. So basically what you're saying is that that Christ's atonement truly is more powerful than the offense of the first Adam. So, okay, so before I kind of fell off the non-theistic cliff, one of the ideas that I was playing with and and that I really came to believe was kind of a Bartian universalism, which is who are we to put a cap on the atonement of Christ? Exactly. Who are we to say that the atonement of Christ is not powerful enough to cover all sin, all brokenness. Absolutely. Especially when there are passages in Scripture that do say that God is drawing all things to himself. And it's like, do we interpret the rest of Scripture through that or do we not? Right. You know, and and so I I also really like the concept, and I think this is an Eastern Orthodox concept. So the Eastern Orthodox Church— It is very Eastern Orthodox. Yes, yeah. I, I love Eastern Orthodox theology. I do too. Theology. God, they're gorgeous. Sorry, I'm, I'm switching into—I uh, give people whiplash nonstop where it's like, oh, wow. I'm sudden, loving it. <laughs> suddenly he's a Christian again. Um, but, yeah, no, there, so there's this idea in—I believe it's an Eastern Orthodox idea that it is a heresy to believe that God created— a fire to burn sinners in for eternity, but rather that the fire of hell is God's compassion, is God's love. And for those who are not reconciled to God through Christ, Mm. it is the love of God that feels like hell. It is the love of God that feels like fire. And I really like that idea. You know, I, I can't say that it is literally true, but as far as a mythology, as far as an inner guiding myth, I love that concept. And I think it is a much healthier idea than saying that, than saying that God created this external hell into which he's going to throw us all forever. Like, that traumatized me as a child. That destroyed me, you know? Anyway, go on. It'll completely wreck you as a kid, especially. Oh, it destroyed me. It it was, I remember waking up, or I remember, like, sobbing Uh, every night, and my parent, and, like, terrified of hell, and my parents, like, trying to talk me down and be like, but you have Jesus. You have, and I was like, I don't care. Like, that doesn't make it better. Having Jesus, when you realize the full scope of hell, yeah having jesus in your life so you will be spared doesn't make it any fucking better (laughs) it really doesn't and that's the biggest thing that really got me is like you're telling me that it's okay for me to rejoice and think good i've escaped eternal damnation sucks for bobby down the street exactly (laughs) and not like one of the biggest things that kills me is like when christ was resurrected Uh i believe that if hell was a place before that which you know there are different like thoughts here and there in the bible that are tossed around as like hell existed as a place of quote-unquote some punishment Mm. before the finished work of the cross Mm. i hate hearing people talk about jesus going into hell and only bringing back the good people and leaving the bad people there like here's the thing i don't see Mm. jesus going to hell grabbing abraham moses and all those dudes yeah saying let's go to heaven and then looking down at everybody else saying sucketh for thee and flying (laughs) into heaven (laughs) i want to see that inscribed on a stained glass window (laughs) sucketh for thee (laughs) like (laughs) that's not my jesus like here's the thing people talk about the antichrist all the time as this futuristic kind of like boogeyman that's going to come and destroy the world one day Hmm. i see the antichrist literally looking exactly like jesus okay 
but having different fruit. You know what okay. I mean? So yeah, like the that makes sense. the real Jesus will have the fruit of joy, peace, love, happiness, rest, all of the above. The Antichrist will look just like Jesus, but have the fruit of religion, hmm. hatred, shame, bigotry, hmm. all those things that are completely contrary to Christ. And that's what makes it so deceptive. Yeah. Is that there are so many people in churches today that are worshiping this antichrist Jesus hmm. and have completely missed the real Jesus because they threw him out on the front doorstep. Mm. Yeah, so, that's fascinating. Yeah, on the uh, on the conversation about hell. Yeah, I had this funny image pop into my head about like God and everything after the finished work of the cross, mm. kind of waking up out of bed one morning in his bathrobe and slippers, going to his divine. Uh, kitchen to get some coffee in the morning uh-huh. asking one of the angels so what's new on earth oh you know they're in the dark ages now they're kind of enjoying everything god's over here oh that kind of sounds crazy <laughs> yeah they think you're going to burn them forever if they don't believe in you what <laughs> <laughs> what so uh that reminds me of an image i always used to get like unbidden when i was converting to catholicism yeah of this image of of Mother Mary as like this stressed out Jewish Brooklyn's chain smoking mom who who's like <laughs> who who's like at her desk and is like piling up with petitions. She's just this super, is fine. She's just chain smoking and super stressed out. Like. Joe, get in here! I need a break. <laughs> God. Um. Oh. Okay, getting back to the topic at hand, Danielle yeah. will join us when she can. Um, so editing is a wonderful thing. <laughs> What's that? Editing is a oh wonderful thing. Oh my God, girl, the number of things I have to edit out of this show that would get me killed. Change it from a two-hour show to like 15 minutes. Everything's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like sometimes it was it's an hour-long show and it gets cut down to 40 minutes. And it's like, yeah. you don't want to know what those 20 minutes were. Exactly. You really don't. I was thinking about that on the way over here. I was like, I wonder what's in those 20 minutes that he cut off of there <laughs> were you actually i really was whenever i came off on the black mountain exit i was like you know that was an hour-long interview and they're usually 40 minutes oh god oh god <laughs> yes I- indeed so it sounds like one of the big uh get getting back to the uh topic at hand um it sounds like one of the big shifts for you was just the 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 scope of christ yeah, the scope of what Christ, the 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 sort of openness, radical love and acceptance, oh goodness, yeah. of Christ, which trumps all all forms of fundamentalism. Absolutely, that that is opposed to that sort of fundamentalism. And and you know, here's the thing. I okay. I there is, and I I've been thinking about this as you have been talking and i was going to save it till later but i'll just go ahead and say it now there's what i believe but then Mm. there's my posture towards people and i there and they they're subtly different you know my belief is that god has not met his burden of proof for me personally and and, you know i'm pretty much a kind of a secular humanist at this point but a, a very mystical one you know one who enjoys mystical experience but here's the thing is I believe that there is a difference between healthy and unhealthy religion. And I am much more concerned with people having a vision of God that is good and loving and all-expansive. And as long as that God inspires them to 
to right practice. I'm so much more concerned with right practice than I am with right belief. You know? Yeah, like, right. Absolutely. Like the, I mean, and here's the thing. There are atheists out there who, who, whose livelihood is based on fighting with mm-hmm. theists. And, yeah. and I listen to those people, like Matt Dillahunty. I listen to them. I enjoy them. I agree with a lot of what they say. However, I'm just not interested in being that person because sure. the vast majority of the human race, the vast majority of the human race has, does, and will continue to believe in the supernatural and in gods or God. And I'm just not interested in putting myself at odds with, right. with you know, the vast majority of the human race. What I'm concerned with is how do people live? Yeah. And I want to see people live fully, compassionately, humbly, graciously, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I see someone come to a vision of God, that is, when I see someone, when I see someone come to a vision of God that is all-inclusive, deeply loving, deeply compassionate, that inspires them to embrace the whole world, that to, I can't help but be 100% for that because I think that makes the world objectively a better place. And that's what I'm concerned with. And so, and so there's what I believe and I'm less interested in arguing about what I believe, which is that I don't think there's a God. I'm not convinced that the supernatural exists, etc. I'm not interested in debating that. What I am interested in is how do we live better lives together? How, and, and when I see someone come to a vision of, of God that helps them do that. I'm not interested in debating those points. I'm interested in encouraging them to live better. Does that make sense? It makes a and ton so, of sense. You know, I yeah. was I was going to wait to say that, but I just feel I don't know. I no, feel I like, like that con- I feel like that needs to be said because it isn't said enough. I don't Absolutely. hear enough people say that online in these kinds of discourses. And that's my attitude. Sure. So, I think there might be an elephant in the room that listeners might be curious about, which is where, and again, this might be a theological issue that you're still working through, which is totally fine. But I think the elephant in the room for a lot of listeners would be, so how does this relate to your sexuality now? Sure. And that is something that I'm still working through. Okay. Um, I don't. And just to clarify for listeners who might be, um, who, who might be listening to you for the first time. Sure. Your gender and sexual identity is bisexual. Is what I've identified as uh, for the past about five years. When I first came out of the closet, I came out as 100% gay. Yeah. Let's throw on some cargo pants and a a sparkly scarf and be Haywood County gay, and this is going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) A girl, I love those Haywood County gays. I love them. Listen, my hair was luxurious. (laughs) It was down to the middle of my back. I had a shiny scarf on and an awful sleeveless hoodie with cargo pants. I remember. (laughs) You remember. Girl, I remember those days. Oh, boy. But um, (laughs) thankfully, my fashion sense has evolved since. Uh, You know, mine hasn't. (laughs) I still looked like a middle-aged woman. Who's lost hope in life? <laughs> Beholdeth the cats. <laughs> exactly. But, oh, anyway, go on. But no, um, theologically, it's something that I'm still kind of wrestling with. I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that no matter where I'm at, God loves me right here, just as I am. Absolutely. In this moment, there's no whatever I feel on this subject does not dictate how much or how much not Jesus loves me. Yes, one hundred percent. Oh, thank goodness. Anyway. Absolutely. Can, can I 
Okay, go on. No, you go right ahead. No, 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 no. Go on. So right now I'm dealing with the theology issue in this. I am remaining celibate okay. until marriage. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like, which is which I totally respect. Yeah. Um, one of the things like people that know me that I'm I'm going to be sharing this podcast a lot too. People that know me and know my walk beforehand, honey, I was a slut. Girl, <laughs> like, me too. I mean, I, I I've been I've I've been around the bend. A yeah. few times. Pun intended. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. But uh yeah, so I was a I was a straight up slut. I was a whore. I was sleeping around all the time, having fun with it, just kind of very frivolous yeah. about it. I'm not celibate now out of a sense of guilt. I'm celibate out of a sense of respect for my future spouse. Okay. Um and and do you envision your future spouse as as male or female or both or open or as a female, okay. I've um, for the past several years, I've always told people I was comfortable dating guys, but I never felt comfortable marrying a man. Okay, um, I just and that was the case when you were a pagan as well. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I was very, I was very much more sexually interested in being with men hmm. than I was romantically, uh, okay. which screwed up a lot of my relationships because I didn't learn that until it was way too late, and I ended up hurting a lot of people through okay. my mistakes. So you are very much, you are very bisexual. Then you, I am very you... bisexual, but very hetero. Romantic. That makes that's does interesting. that make sense? It does. Yeah, I'm tracking with that. And here's something that I think is really important. And what you what you just expressed, what I just heard, and what you said is that. And correct me if I'm wrong. Is that you feel like you have the space within your understanding of God to figure this shit out? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. It's so, all a journey. It's not a finished destination. This is this yeah. is something that I really want to drive home. And and honestly, okay, this is the point that I was most worried about. Mm-hmm. Like this is Danielle and I were talking about this because yeah. you know, we've we I, I have these like Yeah, right, no joke. I have these weird gay paternal instincts towards you because you are yeah. like the uh, my baby goth. Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and so, you know, we've not that you're that much younger than me. You aren't. Right. And and I feel like we're pretty close to each other in maturity level and absolutely and whatnot. But I do sometimes feel like these big brotherly vibes towards you. And so I was worried about this. Like right. I'm I don't care what what people believe. I don't as long as it isn't harmful. And my hope was that you were you had found a kind of Christ that gave you the space to continue to work out absolutely your sexuality and and this is something that I think is really 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 important because the the journey of reconciling sexuality primarily LGBT sexuality with whatever religion we're in that is a long fucking process it really is that, and it's a very personal and process. it's a very personal process and you know there Wendy Gritter Wendy Vanderval Gritter who's someone who really really helped me she coined this term called generous spaciousness which basically means giving people the time and the space and the and the theological space absolutely and the grace to work through it on their own with unconditional regard positive regard yes and that and, and that is so important and it's important to that we be able to give that to ourselves those of us who are still working through through religion and sexuality to give that to ourselves and 
and I'm just really glad to hear that that sounds like where you are, that you yeah. are, that you have a vision of Christ that gives you generous spaciousness. And oh. if you come, whatever position you come to, you know that Jesus will love you no matter what. And that's what's Absolutely. important. And if I could share on that subject, at first, like, the, you know, at first, whenever this uh, change happened, it was so radical that I was very much kind of reeling and feeling out my theology on a lot of things. And that was one of the things that I grappled with at first. Sure. Um, and I kind of like, you know, for like, I want to <laughs> say it was just about a span of two days. Hmm. I was into that old mindset of like, God, take this away from me. I can't handle this. Hmm. I actually, it's funny. I got a word of prophecy from somebody at my church two days later, not knowing I was having this issue, telling me not to be ashamed of the parts of me that I thought I should be ashamed about. Great. The, these are parts of my story. I bet that backfired on that person. Right. No, <laughs> no, no. Like I, <laughs> no? Expressed okay, it. I expressed it with them afterwards, what was great. going on. Okay, and they good, told good, me, good. they told me their exact words were, this is your story. Don't tear out a chapter. That that second part just came out. That is not what they said. They said, this is your story, but the don't tear out a chapter part just kicked into my head. Hmm. And I like that. This is your story. Don't tear out, tear out chapters. Absolutely. Yeah. So I will be attracted to men until the day that I die. Mm-hmm. That's not something that I'm going to, like, something that's going to change in me. It's not something I necessarily want changed in me. It's part of who I am. It's part of my journey. And I can communicate with people through that part of my journey that other people can't communicate with. Yeah. That opens up a whole new, um, I was talking to somebody else in my church who I'm going to leave unnamed. Name drop. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, somebody else in my church who has a similar past, uh, who is now in a heterosexual marriage. Yeah. But we were sitting down and we were talking about people in the church who talk about homosexuality and they try to lump it in with all other like sexual kind of struggles, quote unquote, that people go through. Mm-hmm. It is a completely different ball game. Like it is a completely mm. different ball game being gay or bisexual than having a porn addiction. Like, oh, my that, God. Like that is yes. ridiculously reach. Yeah. Like it that is ridiculous to put those two in or, the same category. Or alcoholism. Absolutely. Or it's not an addiction. Or literally any other experience. Exactly. They they are all individual categories which need to be judged on their own merits. 100%. The only thing you can compare homosexual attraction to is heterosexual attraction. Sorry, going to say Precisely. it. It's the same thing. It's not an addiction. It's not, you know, it's a, a mental illness. Being it's, a, it's a thing. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you, 100%. Well, yeah, one, 100%. So uh, I think that that's one of the beautiful things that, that Christ has taught me to approach it this time from a uh, very mentally healthy standpoint mm. to where before I was very strict on myself and there were parts of myself that I was just straight up ashamed of and I had this very before meaning when before I was like a pagan or anything back in my childhood back in back in Christianity (laughs) 1.0 Old Testament Cody we'll call it 1.0 okay OT Cody (laughs) OT Cody (laughs) (laughs) but um so like, you know, there's there's things in that standpoint in my life that I really didn't have figured out. I didn't want to figure them out because I thought it would be sin to figure them out. Yes. Mm. And now I'm to a point where Christ literally has come from being this Republican with a shotgun in the sky to now he is. That's a terrifying. Right? <laughs> right. Jesus, oh, for me, me now, right? for me now. Christ is a sweet hippie dude with an acoustic guitar singing me love songs underneath an oak tree. Hey, so, I could so get behind that. Like, no joke. Mm. I actually wrote a song this morning that was talking about like, it, and I call my songs that I write love songs because I don't like calling them worship songs because I feel like there's still a connotation with that. That's not bashing anybody. I still absolutely adore Hillsong United. <laughs> um, 
musically at least. So yeah. I I like to call them love songs because it reminds you of the intimacy. Um, Brian Schiltz, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, mm-hmm. but he's very much into the same um, ideology, the same experience that I've had. Huh. And his songs are always referring, like revolving around Christ being a lover and Christ being the groom. So like there's this... How very Teresa of Avila of you. <laughs> how, how very... Oh no, <laughs> right? So like <laughs> he has songs where he's referring to like Jesus coming around the corner doing the wedding dance when he sees you like with this big diamond ring in his hand just waiting to get to you and wanting to make like dance with you for all eternity and Mm. like just this beautiful like not fall upon thy knees and worship me for thy are dirt and i am thy creator no it's like i love you come here let's go on the love seat and cuddle now now we need to just write the songs that are like next base after that which is divine sodomy oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) i think my car alarm is going off i will be back (laughs) no i think i think that's lovely and you know, you know, I hope that if there's one thing that this this next statement can will only sound self-serving, but go I, for it. But I think that a lot of people, when they hear when, when they get a cursory view of where I am now in my theology, they make quite a few assumptions about how I see them and how I see religious people or how I see spirituality. And I just hope that this conversation and other conversations proves those assumptions wrong. I'm, I want people most of all to be happy and I understand that spirituality is kind of an integral part of human nature and we can't get rid of it Mm. you know and and so I'm interested in having more friends not fewer absolutely uh, regardless of belief how very (laughs) Christ-like right (laughs) you know I'm interested in having more friends not fewer I'm not interested in being Richard Dawkins like for fuck's sake screw that guy fuck that guy yeah (laughs) like I'm not interested in being Dawkins I'm interested in having more friends not fewer and I wish that more people would have that approach and it's like yeah we can disagree at times who gives a fuck you know there's not there's not a single person on this planet who I don't disagree with in some way every Mm. friend that I have if we talk long long and hard enough no matter how great I mean even John my partner if we talk long and hard enough there will be a point of disagreement who gives a fuck the point is to you know live well together and so for people who think that I'm some kind of humanist atheist joy you know killjoy some atheist humanist killjoy who who just has zero tolerance for religion that's bullshit i hope you enjoy burning bibles in your backyard jerk (laughs) i'm kidding i love you i'm gonna tell a quick story just because it's funny on that topic (laughs) um we have a friend of mine he's a pastor at my church great guy his slogan is, I'm not religious, religious people throw stones and I live in a glass house. So he's a great guy. I love <laughs> this guy. Um, he takes the little mini Bibles to the jail, knowing people use them for rolling papers and stuff. Great. Smuggling in. There's, there's hey, this, that's important. Yeah, people need uh, their weed. Right. <laughs> Or their tobacco. So there's this guy that um, came up to him one day and like got like radically saved and everything like that and um, was explaining to him what happened. He said, I was reading your Bible and I, I use it for rolling papers. I'll go ahead and tell you. <laughs> so to be not disrespectful, 
He reads each page before he smokes it. He said, I smoked Matthew, I smoked Mark, I smoked Luke, and John smoked me. <laughs> and I thought Aww, that was one of the most hilarious. That's like, adorable. <laughs> precious. Like, I thought that was hilarious. I just like, that was one of those like feel good. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I wonder if he still smoked it afterwards, though. Like, I hope probably. so. Yeah, like, he's just like crying, smoking the last page. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been this has been a fun episode. Way more laid back than our than our usual shows. Way yeah. more scattered, but that's great. Thank you so much, Cody, for coming oh, it's on, a pleasure. sharing some of your crazy, wacky journey with us. I Thank so you. appreciate it. It's nuts. You're you're crazy. You're absolutely nuts, but we all are. I am too, so it's great. <laughs> I I'm insane with holy purpose. <laughs> absolutely. So and I sounded of course, so Methodist. Danielle sitting in. Thank you, Danielle, for yeah. He said we. He said he sounded so Methodist, but but we like Wesley. Oh on wow! This show. Oh, I yeah. fucking love Wesley. <laughs> John Wesley. Okay. Well, Shout out. that is it. <laughs> that is it for this show. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Cody and Danielle, for joining me this week. You're absolutely welcome. Yeah, and maybe we can do this again sometime. All right. Well, that is it for this show. As usual, the music is by The Jelly Rocks and Eleventy Seven. You can find them on iTunes and Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Also, this show is only possible with your help. And if you want to see it live a long life, then please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. And for a dollar a month or five dollars a month or more, you will get extra content and you will help make sure this show continues to live on and my writing also be sure to go to stephenbradfordlong.com you can check out my dozens and dozens and dozens of articles over there about faith and life and satanism and religion and lgbt issues and atheism and literally everything under the sun i write about i write two articles over there a week in addition to uh this show so please go subscribe to that blog and uh you can read my work regularly there and as usual thanks for listening